Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. How can you convince your CEO that improving employee engagement is worth the time and money? How can you switch from the getting things done time management system to a calendar-only solution? And how do we pick our guests for the LeadX show? Hello, everyone. Kevin Cruz. Welcome to the LeadX show, the weekly wrap-up, where we are still dedicated to helping you to stand out and to get ahead, helping you to fulfill your full potential. Now, here in the weekly wrap-up, this is where we get to take our time. We break format. I don't interview a guest, but I do have co-host Tara Millette, our LeadX editor, with me to handle the show duties. And this is also the show that we broadcast live on Facebook via video. So go to LeadX Life on Facebook and click like and turn on notifications if you want to participate in the live show. Now this week, we actually got kicked off Facebook, some kind of technical glitch, and we lost the first couple of minutes of the show opening. But thankfully, we just restarted and, as they say, went on with the show. So enough said, you're gonna hear us switch over to a recording that we did live on Facebook. Hope you enjoy it. So Tara, before we were rudely interrupted, I was talking mm -hmm. about the chapter I just finished, which is on lead with love. Oh. With love. And um, it, I actually, it was interesting. Like uh, the, the writing is hard, but the research is fun. And um, there's all these stories. Like I came across like one of the like hottest names in college football coaching this year. Um, he's had all these articles written about him because he hugs and kisses each football player before each game, like on the cheek or on their neck. And, um, you know, he keeps saying that, uh, he thinks it's weird that people think it's weird. He said, you know, I, I love them like they're my own kids and I kiss my kids. So that's it. But it's funny in football to be, you know, seeing this uh, going on. And um, there was uh, like, there's all these stories, um, famous Marine Corps general, uh, Mad Dog Mattis, if you read about his leadership approach and his troops love him. And there's all these stories about him covering people's shifts over Christmas and, you know, hugging the troops and doing all these, uh, it was never like a rank, you know, thing. Like it could be the lowest private and he was doing all kinds of cool stuff for them. And, uh, so it's neat. It's just neat that all these even hardcore macho Marines and football players, like the, the best ones are really showing how much they care for each other. So, um, hopefully the chapter turned out well. I'm sure it will. I, this, it is interesting though. I find, a lot of military uh, leaders tend to come to that conclusion where they're like, you know what? It seems to work when I kind of lead with a bit of love, lead with a bit of friendship, you know? Yeah. It's, it's an interesting uh, through line. It was, um, um, it, it was uh, like, it's weird because I've been in the entrepreneurial world, like, I've not always been a, a, a I, <laughs> I'm not always a great, a great boss or a great leader. Uh, I'm better. Um, but I think small businesses or entrepreneurial businesses are, are generally a little bit better about like no hierarchy and all that kind of stuff. But looking at some of the comments that I'm getting back on LinkedIn and Facebook, it seems like there's a lot of bosses that believe you really do have to like lead through fear, intimidation. And like, that just surprises me. It just seems so 1950s or something, but I guess it's still out there. 
It's so. so backwards, but yeah, I do hear it still to this day. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. But anyway, I know we're going to hit those listener questions in a minute. Um, Terry, you want to do the iTunes review of the week? Sure do. Um, this week's uh, review is from KMM214. Um, and it says, I came to the podcast about three months into it and have been diligently catching up. Every episode, I walk away with something actionable. Great job, Kevin and team. Keep up the information. Now I have so many books to read, too. Great job. That's very nice. <laughs> very nice. Uh, shorter one. <laughs> like we're giving people homework. You know, like now they have to read all these books. <laughs> I know. I feel the same way. I feel the exact same way. But I want to say thank you so much, KMM214, for leaving that awesome review. Please reach out to us at info at and we will send you some really cool swag as a thank you for, for doing that. Yeah, and even if we don't read your review on the air and send you cool swag, if you leave a review and just email us, then um, we'll invite you into our VIP exclusive ambassador program on Facebook where there's good peer support and access to us and the speakers and we give away prizes. So leave a quick review and let us know and we'll invite you into that group. Also, don't forget, we are giving away a free ebook called Richard Branson's Seven Secrets to Leadership. Just go to leadx.org slash Branson. And if you want more LeadX in your everyday life, go on to Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, who knows what else, and look for LeadX Life. That's uh, our handle on all those stations. So, uh, I don't know, we, we ready for Q&A? Oh, I so am. And anyone who's uh, watching on the Facebook Live, feel free to type in any questions that you might have today. We'll see if we can't get to those a little later on. But for now, we'll just start out, I guess, with a few questions from listeners that Kevin got a little while ago. All right. Question number one is from Lucy Yan. I really enjoy the variety of speakers on your podcasts, and I'm curious about how you pick them. And when you know who you want to talk to, how do you approach them and convince them to talk on your show? That's a great question because I know some of the process, but I don't know the nitty gritty. So how do you, how do you convince people? How do we them? beg people to come on to our show? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So we launched in March of this year. We're now at the end of August and mm -hmm. early on, we took almost anybody <laughs> because we're a new show, didn't have any <laughs> listeners, didn't have any mojo. Fortunately, I've got a lot of friends who are in you know the world of leadership, who've written books and things. So for the first couple of weeks or few weeks, it was really me just literally leaning on my friends saying, listen, I got no listeners. I'm doing this crazy new daily show. Do me a favor and come on the air. And we got some amazing guests, uh, you know, Dan Pink, Rory Vaden, Paul Marciano, all these people. And very quickly, things shifted where I now get pitched. We probably get, I don't know, 10 to 15 emails a day from PR agencies saying, hey, do you want to interview this author? This person's got a book coming out or, or any of that kind of stuff. And so we're in the spot now where we're turning down uh, quite a few people. And, you know, we were fortunate and we had Captain Sully Sullenberger, you know, which was a big one. And I think especially since that episode aired, we're getting, you know, better opportunities. And another thing that goes into it, though, is, diversity and sort of bringing value and interest, mixing it up. And every month or so, I ask uh, Jackie to give me a count on how many women guests and versus men. And, um, you know, we'd like to keep it 
50-50 or actually more women than men is my, is my preference. Um, and that's actually hard to do because for whatever reason, if you just look at the inbound opportunities of authors looking for us to interview them about their book, there's just way more men than women. So if we just picked from what came in, we wouldn't get there. We've got to proactively go out and do the work and, and you know, just resource and source uh, better just to get a good balance. And then, um, Tara, I don't know what which episodes have been most recent, but I'm trying purposely to not have as many authors. We will always still do authors, but we're trying to get CEOs and startup entrepreneurs and you know, professional athletes. And, you know, I interviewed Gary Brackett, Super Bowl champion. I mean, anybody that's had a remarkable career and or is a remarkable leader, you know, we want to we want to pick their brain. We want to hear their failure story and stuff. So I think in the months ahead, our listeners are going to just hear from a wider variety of people, not just the leadership gurus who have the new book. They're in there, too, but but not as many. Um, and that's it. I mean, people just, uh, you know, we're, I'm always trying to think like, what are the hot tech companies out there? Or I'll see there's a new 30 under 30 Forbes list and I'll scroll through to see who they are, see if anybody looks interesting. Sometimes our guests recommend other people. So it's it's all of those things, all of those things. Tara, you recommend some people that you come across, right? Like the whole team comes up with ideas. Yeah, the whole team will scour, we'll go on LinkedIn, or we'll read a really interesting article about someone, and we'll kind of try to send that over to Jackie and Kevin, and and you guys will vet them. But yeah, I mean, we have some pretty great ratios, I think, with entrepreneurs and, and like you say, authors yeah. and stuff. No, we're doing, I'm, I'm really happy with the guests we get. <laughs> Tara, you know, I didn't really answer that last part just really quickly. Like, we, we don't, uh, I joke that we have to beg, early on, we had to beg people to come on the show, but... Um, we just let them know. I mean, we now get over a hundred thousand listens per month, which is which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, we're unique in that we take uh, not uh, too many other podcasts do this. We take the interview, turn it into an article, and that runs on LeadX, and occasionally we'll run on other places. I write for Forbes, Huffington Post, and so we're with a thirty-minute interview. People are able to get both the podcast and some online coverage as well, which I think is helpful. They get a lot of great love, I think. And, uh, you know, Forbes is so well respected, too. So we definitely have an edge, I think, in that yeah. in that respect. <laughs> yeah. But that's great. All right. So question number two. Um, we oh, we actually have an audio question from uh, leadership oh. consultant Bobby Bakshi, I believe, uh, who's asking about convincing the CEO to care about engagement. And I don't know if we said that. I mean, if anybody wants to record their question, they can go to leadx.org slash askkevin, right? Yeah, exactly. Ask Kevin. And it's really simple. I've tried it several times. It's really fun. You can just, you hit record and then you hit stop and then it gets sent to Kevin right away. It's pretty And I cool. still haven't answered your questions. Look at that, Tara. <laughs> all right. All right. So Bobby Bakshi, right? Yeah. All right. Hey, Kevin, thank you for all that you do. My question today is how do you bring CEOs and leaders on board with the science of intrinsic motivation? Time and time again, despite the fact that there's so much research to show that purpose and mastery and autonomy, thanks to Dan Pink and others, drive great performance and productivity and profits, CEOs defy that and continue to only be looking at the bottom line, only be looking at short-term results and reward people based on just those extrinsic factors. 
So thanks, Bobby, for the question. Uh, and you know, this is one, I'm sure Bobby's frustrated by being a leadership consultant himself. I get it all the time with the work uh, that I do in employee engagement. The data is clear that you know, employ, engaged employees, because we care more, we, we go the extra mile, we give that discretionary effort. So if we're a salesperson, we're selling just as hard on a Friday afternoon as on a Monday. If we're a service person, we're just as patient at the end of the day as we are at the beginning of the day. Like it really does matter. And yet only one out of three people in North America are actively engaged at work. Most CEOs don't care. Uh, the ones that care spend a little bit of money on it, but don't. a lot of them don't take it seriously. So Bobby, I share your frustration and it is a little bit of a mystery to me. I mean, I think that, I think Bobby sort of answered his own question in that they see the data, but they assume it's for success over the long term. And I think big company CEOs are so quarterly driven. It's all about making your profit numbers 90 days from now. So, you know, with limited resources, if they're having a good quarter, do they invest in an employee engagement survey? or do they invest in some product development, you know, or whatever that is. They're, they're thinking, they're not thinking that it's really gonna add. They're thinking in the next 90 days, how can I goose this up a little bit more? Uh, I also think a problem is uh, too many CEOs don't truly understand employee engagement. And I get frustrated at this because to me, employee engagement, it's not a hard thing to define. It's It's the uh, it, it's the emotional commitment we have to our organization and its goals. But a lot of people are, will think, oh, employee engagement, we're just trying to make everybody happy. They think it's about parties and bring your dog to work and balloons and you know free beer or whatever it is. It's not it. It's okay to be happy, but it's different than being engaged. Um, and still others will do the employee engagement survey. They try to come up with the answers themselves and they don't know why it doesn't work. It doesn't work because it's the people, it's it's a grassroots thing that has to happen. So I think short-term focus, thinking it's like soft stuff, not understanding how to get their scores up. These are all things that are, are getting in the way of it. Um, the only thing I've seen work is sell, you know, the CEOs, uh, senior leadership with those case studies. You know, people Give them the data, but what moves people emotionally is the story. So talk about Doug Conant going from worst to first with Campbell's Soup, you know, in the Fortune 500. Talk about, you know, look up Gallup Research or Towers Watson Research that have all these case studies of companies that have increased employee engagement and then had tremendously better safety records, tremendously better, you know, customer service ratios. So I think it's these stories that um, will move a top leader and then just sell a pilot study. So, hey, we don't have to do all 50,000 employees, but let's take the Idaho division of our sales force and try an experiment. And I think that's it. You just do a pilot test. They'll realize it doesn't take a lot of time, doesn't take a lot of money, and hopefully they'll, they'll see some positive results. So that's it. That's great. I mean, do you think that part of it is the mentality of CEOs that it's all about kind of, you know, knocking off tasks on your list? And sometimes I think employee engagement seems like, okay, we'll do this one thing there, they're engaged, I'm done. And you kind of forget about it, but it's a consistency thing, right? It's something you have yeah. to kind of constantly be nurturing. Um, and that's different, I think. CEOs don't think that way all the time. It's just about next quarter, like you said, right. and just getting to that bottom line. 
Um, so yeah, that mentality I'll, I'll, I'll see companies that will do the engagement survey like every two years and it's like better than nothing, but to only think about how engaged people are every two years and to try to, it's not going to, it's not going to work. And so you really need to, I mean, engagement should be part of new hire orientation. It should be part of your leadership development program. And then every six to 12 months you should uh, measure it. But anyway, it is frustrating. I, I blow a gasket on it all the time. <laughs> well, let's cool off for a second and move on to another question here about time management. Um, I read your entire time management book. Amazing. How do I use a list manager like Todoist to keep track of everything I do and then use a calendar with it? What do I do if I am switching from GTD? That's from Jason Spencer. Okay, Jason. So here's the thing that um, the most popular time management system out there right now is called Getting Things Done GTD. And it preaches, like like everybody's been taught, uh, that you, 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 know, you have your to-do list and you rank your items like A is top priority and there's A1 and A2 and then there's B and all this kind of stuff. And that your calendar is for meetings and phone calls. And I mean, that's, that's what I did for years. That's how I was taught and trained. But when I went out and did the research for 15 secrets, you know, I, I talked to hundreds of self-made millionaires, entrepreneurs. I spoke to self-made billionaires, Mark Cuban and the guys, co-founders of Facebook. I, I spoke to Olympic athletes and even straight A students at the, at the Ivy Leagues. And what I noticed was nobody was mentioning a to-do list. And as I pushed on that further, what I found is like, ultra productive people, I'm not average productive, like ultra productive, they don't use a to-do list. They put everything on their calendar and they just live from their calendar. So um, it was not uncommon for the, like the billionaires uh, to be scheduling their day in five minute chunks. Now, most of the mere mortals, the mere millionaires <laughs> were scheduling their days in 15 minute chunks. But it wasn't like, oh, let's hold a meeting, I'll block out the hour, or oh, I've got to call so-and-so, block out the half hour. I mean, it was 15-minute chunks. And so I, I preach that in the in the extreme productivity training that we have as part of the Lead X Academy and, and in the book. And it's it's hard because you have to take everything off your to-do list, find a date, a time, a duration, put it onto your calendar throw away that to-do list. And then the next time someone says, hey, can you meet for a cup of coffee? Or can you help me with this project? Or can you do whatever? You don't just say, oh, sure, and add it to your list. You need to go slot it in. And it makes it easier to be realistic about deadlines. Uh, it makes it easier to say no to people. Like, yeah, I can have that cup of coffee and my first available date is like four months from now. Is that good? You know, you, it's, it's not a yes or a no, it's a time, it's, it's a mm -hmm. date. So there's a lot of advantages, like every day, it's hard to do, but every day I get this, get these emails about it's changed my life, you know, moving from to-do list to calendar. So the tips on how to do it, I mean, first of all, Jason, you don't use Todoist. So that's the thing is, you know, I live from my calendar and I don't have a separate task list or a to-do app or anything like that. What I will say though is, it's not that I'm against all lists, but like my lists are project lists. And now if I'm a, if I'm a manager of people, if I'm a leader of people, I have to-do lists for other people. 
Tara doesn't even know it, but I've got a list of things <laughs> that Tara will be doing in the months ahead. Oh, but I, I just reference that, you know, when, when I need to. It's not something I look at or think about, you know, day to day. For our projects, um, here at LeadX, we use something called Basecamp. You can use any kind of project management system, but a project will have a series of steps. And, you know, I might have some steps to interview some people, and then Katrina might have steps to send it out for a transcript, and then Tara has some steps to turn it into, you know, an article. But that's not um, our an individual to-do list. It's kind of being tracked in the project management system. So I just think you've got to move it all over, cut the cord, live from the calendar. And then if you have a separate list, it's just like the big projects you want to get to, your big goals. So if it's two weeks from now and you're like, oh, wow, I've got an entire afternoon open tomorrow. What should I invest my time in? You go to your list and look at all those goals and objectives and other things that you have. But you don't look at that project list on a day-to-day basis. You don't look at a to-do list on a day-to-day basis. So hopefully that helps, Jason. That's, it is a tough, um, tough adjustment to make. Yeah. And, you know, another thing too, uh, you mentioned this a, a, a while ago and it kind of blew my mind was, you know, stop living out of your email. And I had just the worst habit of doing that. I would be like, when did they say they wanted that? I'll go check my email. When did they send that thing? Oh yeah, I'll go check my email. And it's like, things get lost in there. You know, with all the emails we get every day, things are gonna get lost and eventually a ball is gonna drop and, and you're gonna feel pretty silly. So that was a big thing for, for me too, was taking all of my email tasks and putting them into a calendar or at the very least writing them down and putting a date to them. That was really helpful. And, that, and that's such a common problem. It's, it's The book also talks about um, trying to get to inbox zero, which is, yeah. again, it's tough to do uh, at first. But if, if having one to-do list is a bad idea, having two is a worse idea. And Tara, just like you said, we're all guilty. It's like we open it up. It's like, oh, shoot. Yeah, I'll do that. Close the email message. And then it just falls further and further down the, down the list. Oh, yeah. Definitely been there before. <laughs> um, any, uh, yeah, so I actually, I know uh, we told everyone on Facebook Live that they can go ahead and throw up any questions they might have. But I actually have a question for you, Kevin, from a, from a friend of mine. And I'm not, this isn't a proxy thing. Or a friend? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I was be like, my boss is really, you know, <laughs> on my case. Uh, no, my friend uh, is working for a really great company. He's super excited about the work they're doing. But because there's this huge uh, deadline for this big project, they're having to work late and they don't get overtime or anything. Um, and their boss is really being kind of uh, strict with them. And now their boss has started uh, staying out in the pit with everyone else as opposed to in his office and working late. And so now they're encountering this problem where, you know, the boss is sitting right there. I feel weird about leaving, you know, on time or I feel weird about not staying late. And he alluded to the boss also kind of making thinly veiled little jokes about how everyone should kind of work harder and get back to work and be more dedicated. And I, I, I wasn't sure what to tell him because it's yeah. a really weird situation. I mean, as an employee, what power do you really have to try and change that dynamic? So I thought I'd, I'd bring it to you. Can you, without like revealing identity stuff, like is it a big company, little company? Does anybody have equity in the game? Like what's the, comp- what's the right. environment? 
So pretty recently, I think they were a startup, but they grew pretty exponentially. I think they have about 300 employees now. Um, and I think they just uh, got a bunch of investors on board. So now the stakes are a little different. So I think yeah. that's part of why the stress is trickling down so hard is because now they have to answer to you know, a board. So that's definitely part of the dynamic too. But they're, they're a pretty big team, pretty big company. Yeah, you know, I, Tara, I'm not even like, I, I struggle with this a little bit because mm -hmm. You know, when I when I was in my 20s and had startups and everybody that worked for me was in their 20s, we, we worked a lot of, you know, pretty crazy hours. And you will hear these, you know, crazy stories, early days of Microsoft, Apple, where people would just never go home. I mean, I think there's still a lot of companies where they're just putting their all into it. And when um, back before I was married and had kids and all that stuff, if someone was not really working a lot of hours, kind of bleeding out, I mean, I, I did wonder about their dedication and all this kind of stuff. Now, as I've gotten older, I've gotten sort of softer about that because, um, you know, I think that long term, uh, you know, I, I want us to attract the best people and 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 keep them. So um, I want us to all work, you know, hard and and long, but it's more about being efficient, and I want to make sure we're not burning out, you know, that we're not burning out in the short term or that I'm going to lose good people because they want to go somewhere that's, you know, going to give them a better uh, quality of life. And I think I've also come to understand that, like, unless they're partners in the company, then, you know, their, their incentive is very different than the boss or the owner or whatever. And maybe that will change down the road. Maybe, maybe there'll be an equity plan or a profit sharing plan or something. But you can't uh, expect team members to work as hard as you as the boss or owner if, they're, if, if there's no change in reward for them. So, you know, I, I don't know. The only other thing I would say back to like being a hard ass about it is I just tell people that, you know, you are in competition for your job every day. We all are. Like I am too. And so it's, it's okay to say, eh, you know, I've put in a solid 40 hours and I want to have a life and that's it. And that's fine, but if if the boss comes across someone who would work fifty or sixty hours a week for the same or less money, then you shouldn't be surprised if you're let go and the new person's brought in. Mm. And I think this day and age, because there is no loyalty anymore, right? Like that that compact's been broken for a long time. And I think this day and age, when the competition is from overseas, it's from freelancers, it's from uh, in I see this in big pharmaceutical companies all the time where there's a 55 year old person running like a director level of a department, probably making $250,000 a year. And at some point there's a tight quarter again, 90 days. And someone realizes like, you know what? We could get a 30 year old to be director of that department for half the money or for a buck 75. So, I mean, we are, I feel like uh, maybe it shouldn't be that way. But it's like you've, you're on a professional sports team and there's always someone trying to, to go from the bench to the starting line. So I don't know what to tell your friend. Like, I don't think your friend should feel guilty about, you know, working hard and going home at a reasonable hour, even if the boss is sitting there, especially if your friend doesn't have like equity in the startup or any of that stuff. But if the person... If there's if there's someone next to them that's showing up earlier and staying later doing the same job and it's time for promotion, who's going to get it? So that's just the real world part. Wow. Okay. What do you think? 
that's a tough answer. And I'm going to have to go to them and be like, here's the wisdom. You're, you kind of just have to keep going. But you're right. I mean, and, and that's why I had such a hard time trying to give advice or any kind of insight because it's, it, you, you kind of do, do just have to do that dance. You kind of have yeah. to be in that world. Um, but thankfully, like, you know, once this big project's over, hopefully it'll kind of relax a bit. So it's not like a, it's, it's like that forever. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think that's kind of, you just have to kind of strap in and, and go for the ride. Yeah, um, we could try. Here, let's, I know we're, um, we're already well past our half hour. Let me just glance at some of the comments uh, sure. from our Facebook friends. I see we got, hey, Anthony. Yeah, Anthony's an online uh, a supporter and fan. It has been a, a while. He's referencing his distant elephants, which is this concept of even big tasks when they're far away, they seem like small. I'm so guilty of this. Like Tara, if, you, if, if anybody wants to get me, they just say like, Come speak to my three people, you know, 3,000 miles away from where you live, and we can't pay you any money, but it's a good cause. Like, when do you want me? Oh, it's like 18 months from now. Oh, sure. My calendar is free 18 months from now. And, of course, when we get to, when we get to the elephant, that week is just as busy as this week is. It's never not that busy. So this whole distant elephant uh, concept is pretty crazy. But, um, Anthony, thanks for the support on, on everything. And uh, James Holder, uh, James, let's see. Kevin, my organization is on Google Apps. We also run SAP. I can sync only in one direction, and that is CRM to Google Calendar. The issue is that CRM doesn't allow us to schedule non-customer-facing events. Thoughts? Yeah, that's a tough one because I like to keep one calendar, and I use Google Calendar, but I have um, – a work calendar and a personal calendar, mainly just to color code them. Other people will keep two of them uh, just for privacy. You know, if I've got a doctor's appointment or gonna go see that foot specialist again tomorrow, <laughs> Tara, you know, employees <laughs> don't need to know that. So I don't know enough, like this is technical. I don't know if you can set up Google Calendar, you know, with the multiple calendars inside of it, if your work lets you do that or not. So I don't have a, a, a lot to offer on that, James. Kauru, how are you? Cha-cha tea. I still have some wonderful cha-cha tea that I enjoy. My daughter Natalie's been enjoying it too. Let's see. You're saying I'm starting to use I more now to communicate with my customers instead of the we. You know, thinking of changing my page name uh, to Kauru at cha-cha tea. Yeah, Kauru, I think in um, I think this day and age, and especially for your business, the more you can individually brand and use your personality to connect with people, the better. I mean, let's take tea as an example, any kind of consumer product. That category, there's tons of options, right? So I go into the grocery store, I go to a tea shop, and there's company names, brand names. But to actually feel connected to a person, um, oh, I know her or I shop from her, or even if they've never met you, they know that you're you're personally selecting the teas, and I know you do, and you're personally, you know, sharing. It's not some giant social media marketing department. It really is you. I think that's a huge advantage. So um, I, I would encourage you to do that, you know, as much as possible. I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Love Cairo. Yeah, Matthew, what's up? And uh, Katrina's reminding everyone: the next week, it's all women. Women power. It is. Yeah, we totally have lady power next week. It's gonna be awesome. And what else we got, Tara? Um, I got some. We got some great stuff uh, coming up uh, in a week or two. Uh, we have Kay He, 
That was, I love that one. Um, he wrote an article called The 15-Minute Weekly Habit That Eased My Work Anxiety. And let me tell you, it's so simple, but it was really, really great. Um, so that's coming up uh, pretty soon. We have Dina Dwyer Owens, who uh, is the author of Values, Inc. And she talks about uh, kind of what we talked about earlier, about implementing values every day in like a really practical way and, and engaging people that way. Uh, we have Bonnie, Michelle, and uh, Tracy Romer, uh, who are going to basically tell us how to have it all, it sounds like. They're uh, <laughs> business partners who started a, uh, a startup called Shred 415, and uh, they're all about fitness and work and family and fitting everything in. So that's going to be a really interesting one, too. If anybody's in the Chicago area, look for Shred 415. I think they have 10... Mm -hmm. 10 locations and their franchise. And they were, they were fun to talk to a lot of, uh, a lot of energy. So yeah, like these people that, uh, that you listed, I mean, it was very different backgrounds, different topics, not all authors, you know, sign that we're starting to, to mix it up a little bit. Their stories were super interesting. I was like, you, like you said, not all authors, but they all have such great ways of how they came to where they are. So yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. Excellent. All right. Well, friends, before we wrap up, don't forget, go to leadx.org slash subscribe to subscribe and rate the LeadX show on iTunes. Uh, you can go to leadx.org slash askkevin to give us a question that we will play on air. And uh, I'm not forgetting anything, am I, Tara? I don't think so. I think we did it. We nailed it. All right. It. We had one outage, power outage or something in the middle of the broadcast. So that was fun. Besides but, that. Um, <laughs> Hey, it's Katrina's problem now to figure out how to fix that, right? Ain't our problem. We're just <laughs> a talent. That. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for your support. Until next time, remember, of course, leadership is about influence, which means we are all leaders. You're leading people all of the time. You positively influence others when you speak up and when you take action. You negatively influence people when you remain silent, when you're a bystander. Be mindful. Be intentional. How will you lead today?